The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Welcome to the program. We've got a good one. We always do, actually. Tonight's no exception. Tonight, we're going to be talking to um, Lisa Campion. She's a returning guest, actually. And we're going to talk about energy vampires. You know how sometimes you just can't explain why you feel completely drained? Some people describe it as like a truck has hit you. You know, you feel like that truck has hit you feeling. Or maybe uh, you walk into a room and you suddenly feel drained or completely uh, sapped of energy or even it can come in the form of motivation is taken from you. Well, energy vampires might be to blame. And that's what uh, Lisa's going to talk about tonight. Looking forward to this with Lisa. She's been on the program before, and we had a great conversation. We're going to pick up where we left off. A lot of people are feeling this way. Who are these energy vampires? How do we identify them? Maybe you yourself are one and don't even know it. One more time, uh, remember the YouTube channel. If you have not uh, found it and haven't subscribed, you please you should go to YouTube, search for JV Johnson, and when you find that, You'll, uh, you'll see the subscribe button. Just subscribe. There's no fee or anything. But we have about 500 back episodes on the, on the YouTube channel, plus some bonus content. And if you click the notification icon, you'll get alerted every time we go live with a stream or we upload new content. It's a great way to be part of our online community. It's also where our uh, stream chat room exists. It's through the YouTube channel. Uh, the other thing you need to do is find the podcast. The podcast is available on all distribution platforms, at least the major ones, like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, whatever it's called, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, other places. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, too. It, it's, it allows you to have it downloaded right to your smart device without even worrying about it. And if you miss a show, then you can just check it out. It's right there for you. You can listen to it. And, of course, Twitch channel is up and running, and it's a, it's very active. Good to see uh, so many folks in both Twitch and uh, the YouTube channel. So thanks for doing that. Remember, the, the Twitch channel will become our weekend platform. Uh, what else do I need to talk about before we go? And I don't think I have anything else that we've got to go over, so uh, we can get started. I'm going to take a break, and we'll get uh, Lisa Campion on with us, and we'll begin our discussion. Tonight we're talking about energy vampires with Lisa Campion. It's beyond reality. Don't go away. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash Johaw. That's J-O-H-A-W. I'm, I'm going to officially call these days Hair-mageddon. My hair is so long, and I can't get it cut, obviously, for obvious reasons. And uh, it's now just hanging down in my face. I can't see uh, the chat very well. I can't see my notes very well. Add to that the fact that I've changed the lighting scheme in the studio. So it's basically the, the, the new lighting scheme is no lighting scheme. <laughs> so I can't see anything because of that as well. I've got to rethink some things. Uh, but uh, thankfully, we've got a great guest tonight, a returning guest. In fact, Lisa Campion is a psychic counselor and a Reiki master teacher. We're going to be talking about energy vampires, among other things tonight. Lisa, welcome back to the program. It's great to have you here. Oh, thanks, JV. I'm so glad to be back. Yeah, it's been a while. I'm trying to remember when you were on last, about a year oh, maybe? Yeah, yeah, it was about a year ago. Yeah, yeah. It was right after my book came out. Now, I, I have to ask you, just because it's the news of the day, every day for everybody, but how are things uh, in your neck of the woods? You're near Boston, right? Boston yeah. was kind of hit pretty yeah, hard with this. Yeah, Boston area, just, just outside Boston. We we got kind of whaled on here. Like it, it was pretty heavy in Massachusetts, and lots of people died. It was pretty serious. The hospitals were really... It was one of those bad hot spots. 
Yeah, New York City was yeah. as well. We uh, up, uh, in upstate New York, we were fairly unscathed, thankfully. Um, I just someone was just telling me today, actually, that um, I don't know who, if he did or a friend of his or whatever, went to make some uh, hotel reservations down in North Carolina, and they will not take hotel guests from New York, Massachusetts. Connecticut or New Jersey, and I'm not sure there might be uh, there might be some other uh, locations in there as well. But that's the strangest wow. thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not sure that's. I mean, is that fair? Is that I right? don't know if it's fair. Yeah. I don't know if it's legal. I, you know, I don't yeah, know. I'm, I don't know. Um, there's so many things that uh, fall into that. I don't know if this is legal category these days. <laughs> it's just it's just bizarre. But anyway, that's not what we're going to talk about. Although I would have to say that what's going on in the world around us and these things that we are kind of avoiding to talk, talk about because we've heard so much about them might be affecting some of the things that we are going to talk about tonight. Would you say that's true? Absolutely. I, I think this is a very tough time for psychics and sensitives. Um, you know, it, there's so much static in the collective consciousness. There's so much anxiety and fear and angst, you know, and highly sensitive people can really tap into not only the energy that's going on in our life, but this kind of global energy. I mean, if, you, if you think about it, it might be the only time in history that the entire planet is freaked out at the same time. That's a good point. Yeah. And if you're sensitive, if you're like a, an empathy, psychic, sensitive person, that's just like a massive energy whammy from the entire world, you know, all at once. And I and the people I know who are sensitive are really like getting crushed by that. Just the, the, What happens the when there's so much angst uh, among people in general, but particularly when it's at the scale that it is right now? And as you said, it's global. What happens to people like yourself who feel that energy? Is it painful? How does that work? It's it's pretty painful, you know, like it can feel like, um, you know, if you're an empath, you, you're picking up the emotions that other people are feeling. So it can feel like sort of crushing depression or anxiety, really, you know, incredible grief. Um, and it's it's like your own grief and your own sadness because we're all freaked out. But then there's it feels like this extra weight, this extra heaviness that you don't know why you feel worse than other people. And I think it's important if you are sensitive and an empath to learn how to how to clear that extra energy out, how to you know get grounded. Like you know, if you think about sen- um, sensitives and empaths being like the psychic sponges of the world, we have to like squeeze the sponge so we're not carrying around. I mean, it's bad enough having our own pain and angst, but the pain and angst of the entire world is just really too much. Do you have a way that you can cleanse yourself of it? I mean, as it accumulates within you, is there a process that you go through that allows you to uh, get some of it out of your system? Yeah, there's a lot of things that I think, you know, you can do and that different things work for different people. Um, I think being in nature is very uh, important. Um, having your bare feet on the ground can connect us back with the earth energy. Um, take, taking a salt tub or using salt in their shower, that con- combination of salt and water, or getting in the ocean if you can, is very clearing for people. And I just do a very simple, like, breathing meditation of, like, breathing into my heart and my belly and, like, releasing any energy I'm holding down my feet and into the earth. And uh, these days I have to do it, like, you know, five or six times a day just to start feeling funky. And if I do that, I'm like, okay, now I can feel, I can feel like myself again. Worse if I look at the news or, you know, talk to somebody that's upset. Yeah, tell me about how this started for you. Um, most people I talk with that have these types of sensitivities were born with them, and it takes them a while to understand what's happening. What's your story? Same, same, yeah, definitely born with it. And, uh, you know, I was 
born, like I grew up in the 60s and 70s outside Boston back before there were psychics on TV and, you know, paranormal shows on TV. There were no New Age bookstores. There was like, I had to be quiet about it because, you know, if you said you saw angels and talked to dead people, they put you in the mental hospital, you know. So I really had to learn the hard way, like trying to pretend to be normal in in public. And in the meantime, I was seeing things, seeing beautiful things like angels, seeing maybe not so great things seeing colors around people, just having all these experiences that, that other people didn't seem to be having. And I, um, I had some fortunate uh, growing up. My parents were hippies, so they did things like take me to transcendental meditation when I was 10 years old. I mean, who gets to do that? But that's what you, you do when, a, when you're a hippie in 1974, you know? So I learned how to meditate when I was young, and I, I got um, a lot of my educa- psychic education by watching horror movies especially paranormal ones, you know, (laughs) I loved it. You know, like I, I was like 10 years old or something, 12 years old. And I snuck in to see the movie Poltergeist because my parents wouldn't let me go. And I went with a friend of mine and, and there's, that was the first time they have it on TV or on the movie, a psychic. I'm like, Oh my God, is that something you can do? Like, that's a thing. It was the first time I heard of that. And then she just spends this little, like five minutes, like describing what, what happens when you die and why some people get stuck and I remember sitting in the movie theater with my jaw open, like, oh, my God, thank you, somebody, for explaining to me, like, what's going on here? And, um, and that sort of created, like, a lifelong love of horror movies for me. I still quite like them. But I got a pretty kind of a decent education, spiritual education from them. Some of the stuff I learned um, was good. And, I, you know, it just took me a while to study and learn. I spent the first 20 years trying to figure out how to turn it off, Yeah, you know. And then um, once, and then it was in, I was in college in the 80s. It was the dawn of the new age, and suddenly there were teachers, there were books, there were stores, and I, you know, I got some really great training. And now, I feel very passionately about helping other people not have to learn the hard way like I did. And I think people are more psychic than ever. I think right now people's psychic gifts are opening like crazy. So many people are having sudden psychic openings. I think every generation is more open than the last one. So that teens and the kids that I see now are like so much more open psychic sensitive than than and I ever was so it's um it's exciting for me to be a teacher and train people how to really maximize their gift do you think there's a uh, uh, a global or uh, an, um I don't know how to a, a humanity wide transcendence going on some kind of lifting of us all in a spiritual or um, psychic sense? Do you think that's happening worldwide? Yeah, you know, JV, I never really, um, I never really believed that whole thing about the shift and the ascension. I'm like, that's a lot of New Age gobbledygook, and I'm not much of a New Ager considering the fact that I'm a psychic. But, you know, a couple of years ago, I just really started seeing this trend of people's gifts awakening, people's consciousness shifting, people... Um, becoming more psychic, becoming more sensitive, becoming very interested in their, um, like, awakening spiritually. And at this point, I just, from uh, the empirical evidence that I have and the observational evidence that I have, I really just have to believe that it's true. And um, it's pretty exciting, you know, to think that we're, and even what's going on now with the virus, like, to think about how it's making us rethink our lives or, reshape our priorities or really like come up into our hearts in a, in a different way than maybe we've ever done. You know, that's, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. I, I just want to mention something. Uh, we've got some questions scrolling through our chat room and I'm going to get to those questions uh, about energy vampires and, and how 
people affect you when they drain your energy. We're going to get to that, so so be patient in the chat room. But I, I, there's some other things I want to cover first with uh, with Lisa. Um, when you uh, started to recognize what was going on with you, and it wasn't as scary as it first was because you started to understand it, did you uh, make any connection to uh, any spiritual source for this, or did you find it more of a um, innate thing? Well, I think it's both. I mean, I feel like on one hand it's our um, it's our natural way of being human. So I sort of divide um, being psychic and being an intu- intuitive into two different things. I make a distinction, you know, there. And being intuitive is everyone has it. And that's the feeling of, like, how we feel in our body. Um, like, we get the creepy crawlies or what we feel in our emotions, like I have a good feeling or a bad feeling about something. And then the gut, like, I just, I don't know why I know, I just know. And those three things make our intuition. And they're, they're just almost like an extension of our instincts as animals, you know, as people. Right. Um, and I think that's, everybody has it. Everybody has it. It's nothing really mystical in my mind about that. It's just part of our human nature. And I think we can develop it. We can enhance it if we pay attention to it. Or we can ignore it, and that's, you know, a problem. That it's, I'm sure everyone has a story about what happens when they ignore their intuition, and that we know that doesn't go well. And then psychic is a little different. Psychic is the ability to speak to spirit beings that are not part, they're not us. Like your intuition is your own inner knowing. Psychic is we're really connecting to something outside of ourselves, and that requires sort of a like a more mystical viewpoint of the world. Like maybe you're talking to dead relatives or angels or you know the ascended masters like Jesus or Mary. Maybe you're speaking directly to God. I, I mean. Every person that I've ever done a reading for has, like, a team of these spirit guides around them of, made up of all different kinds of, of beings. And that, you know, if it didn't happen to me, uh, like, every day of my life, like, literally every day of my life, I might be skeptical about that myself because I tend not to believe in things that actually don't happen to me personally. But I do think that that's, um, you know, that that's something also that some people have a lot of talent for and and if you have a lot of talent for it, like I did, it's probably because it's part of your life purpose in some way to use it. And everyone can also develop it. Like if, you know, JV, if you want to develop your psychic ability, you could if you wanted to. Well, you know, I've heard others describe it as you know, or compare it to like someone with musical abilities. Yeah. That's actually something that I do have. Um, but, you know, some people have a greater uh, natural ability than others, but everybody can benefit from learning and practicing and exercising these skills and improving them. Sure. Yeah, and I think so. I think that that's great. I sometimes, I love the musical ability analogy, or sometimes I think about, like, athletic ability. Like, everyone's got some, and some people have more than others, and it depends on what your life purpose is. Like, my life purpose is to be a healer and to train other psychic healers and empaths, so I have a lot of it. And And I think, like, you can... Like, if, you, if we think, if we go with a theory that our, our soul, in a way, our own spirit, our higher self, whatever you want to call it, is speaking to us through our intuition, it's very beneficial to learn how to listen to that. Because your soul, your higher self, always has the bigger plan for you, always has a better plan than your personal, your personality can come up with. And so if we want to live a really soulful life um, and, in a way, reach our highest potential, it really benefits us to learn to listen to our intuition. 
And one of the other things that you are very involved with, um, in fact, you are a master teacher, is Reiki. Tell us a little bit about Reiki. So Reiki is a gentle, hands-on energy healing technique from Japan um, that teaches the practitioners learn how to, um, to move energy in the person they're working with, sort of like acupuncture without needles, you know. Um, and we learn to flow chi or, or energy through ourselves and also to the people we're working with. And, you know, lately um, I've been teaching Reiki for 20 years now. And uh, back in the day it was kind of fringy and, you know, not, not that many people really understood what it was. And now it's, it's really hitting the mainstream, especially here in Boston where I live. Like all of the, the big city, Boston city hospitals have Reiki units right, right in there, you know. You can, uh, the hospitals to, like, do? Yeah, you can go wow. to Dana Farber, which is like the most famous cancer hospital probably in the country, and they'll ha- they have full time Reiki staff that will come and give you Reiki while you're receiving your cancer treatments. You know, it's used in hospitals, post pre post surgical, um, like all of the hospitals here in Boston have full time Reiki staff. You just call and you can they'll come down and do Reiki on you. So it's become more popular, more mainstream. There's and with that, there's sort of like a you know science base behind it. it's been researched um, to to really improve things like depression, anxiety, pain. It's often used in chronic pain clinics because you know pain clinics are always looking for better ways to treat pain without narcotics. And um, it has kind of a you know a proven track record now. It, it's gone from something that's just like strange you know strange and new agey and woo woo to well it's used in it's used in Mass General Hospital, you know, and um, and and Dana Farber and all these big hospitals here in Boston. We have the best hospitals, some say, in the world, and it's big. It's big here. So, what are the types of ailments that someone may be suffering from that you would say are most appropriate to be addressed through Reiki? I think that for me, that the most um, common thing is depression and anxiety. I get a lot of people who want that chronic pain um is also something that happens and then i just sort of general like you know i'm not feeling well or i you know right now we're not really doing too much of it because of the the covid although it can be done long distance so i i actually worked on a covid person who was pretty full in the middle of it doing long distance sessions and she said i mean she has nothing to compare it to but she said it she thinks it helped her um sleep at night and lower her fever and you know, give her some peace of mind. It's very relaxing, Reiki. So it tends to bring about um, a relaxation response in the body. And when we're relaxed and stress-free, our the body's own immunity and natural healing system kicks in. So we can heal on our own, too, when we're receiving Reiki and we're more relaxed. So in a lot of ways, it's a catalyst to help your body use its own natural ability to heal. That's right. So when we come out of stress, you know, when we come out of depression, when we come out of anxiety, like our bodies are self-correcting. There's, we're, we're always, you know, um, looking for that homeostasis. And when we kind of get the pain and the stress and the depression and tension out of the way, it opens up, you know, it opens up blood flow. It opens up oxygen. It opens up, you know, um, when we have that, those systems really flowing through us, and we have energy, literally chi, life force energy moving through us, then um, our body will correct itself to the best that it can. So if I was um, suffering some, from any of this that we've been talking about, and I was lying uh, in a bed or whatever and blindfolded, and I didn't know what was going on around, around me, and somebody came in and started doing Reiki 
uh, with me, what would I feel? Well, you know, JV, I think that there's sort of two different experiences people have. People who are very sensitive to feeling energy will feel things like pulsing, heat, tingling, sort of like this um, like um, resistance feeling, like the wrong ends of a magnet kind of resistance. Um, some people will feel those things, and people who are less sensitive to energy will just feel the results of the Reiki. So they're going to feel relaxed, happy. Many people fall asleep, you know. Um, some people have emotional releases. But they'll cry. I always say men fall asleep, but women cry <laughs> when I do um, Reiki on them. Um, and I think, you know, we, we, we get what we need in that case. So some people will have, like, emotional responses, like they clear out an emotion that's in the way. But I think overall people feel relaxed, happy, like, you, like you've had a really, really good nap, but it's not exactly the same as sleeping. It's like a deeper well, – so it takes you into, if you know anything about this brainwave state, it takes you to a theta state, which is the, where the deepest healing happens in our body. Is that the same state as you achieve while you're sleeping? Um, when we sleep, we different? go through lots of different phases. So the beta brainwave is like when we're awake and fully conscious. Then we go into an alpha state, which is more like that's where intuition and psychic things happen. And where, you, where you're driving in a car or you're washing the dishes or you're walking the dog, you're highly creative and intuitive in the alpha state. Then the theta state is like more of a non-waking state. You're pretty sleepy or deep meditation or you're sleeping. And then, then there's the lowest state, the delta state, which is low lights out, like bye-bye. You know, and as we sleep, we, go, we float through right. cycles of all of those brain waves. And, um, and this Reiki will put, put us into the most healing one, which is the theta. Um, if you're just joining us, we're talking with Lisa Campion tonight, psychic counselor, Reiki master teacher. Her website is her name, Lisa Campion. It's like champion without the H, campion.com, and you'll find a lot of information about her and her work there. Uh, we're going to get to talking about energy vampires in a little bit. We've got a long conversation with Lisa, so we've got a lot of time to cover topics. And I want to know about uh, your experience, Lisa. Were you a, a client, if you will, of Reiki before you became um, someone who practices and then then teaches it, or how were you introduced to it? Yeah, I you know I started I had a session and I think you know when I started doing psychic work, um, I was really young. I started when I was nineteen. It's crazy to think about. Like mm. I think that wow, that's amazing. Like why did I think I could do that? But I just did. I just started to work as a psychic, and then after a few years into that, I real I studied counseling and psychology because I wanted to more deeply help people and um, and do more than just deliver the message. I wanted to help people work at a deeper, work through their stuff at a deeper level. And then many years go by and I combine those two things together and I started seeing, like this over 20 years ago, I started seeing really energy inside people's body. I started being curious about what, what was happening inside their body and what was happening inside their energy field. And um, and so I was looking for a way to access that, to understand that. And one of my friends said, well, why don't you try some energy medicine? Why don't you try something like Reiki? And, um, and so I did. And I received a session, and it, I just sort of fell in love with it and um, studied it, you know, went through all the levels of it and then started teaching it right away. And, um, and I've been teaching it for, and writing about it now for the past 20 years. And as you got better at it or, or better uh, understood it better, are you able to focus that energy more intensely than someone who's just starting out? I think so, yeah. So Reiki works with, um, you know, it's, it, I sometimes think of it as like light coming through a prism, you know. 
So the light is very pure, but it has to it has to run through our the practitioner's energy field. And as we you know as we get we do more and more work our, on ourselves. Psychics call it clearing the channel. <laughs> when you get your own personal stuff out of the way, you become a clearer channel. And I think that's also true for Reiki, you know. And, and because I just have a lot of practice, like I've I've been doing, you know, 15, 20 sessions a week for the past 20 years. Oh, wow. So I have, you know, have had my hands on a lot of people that way and run a lot of energy and done, you know, I think my publisher made me count how many sessions I've done. It was something like 15,000 sessions. Wow. <laughs> I know. Um, I, just, I couldn't believe it. And I, I was like, dang, you know. So after all that time, it, it's just like my... My norm, like if you did something for that long, you would, you know, you would have um, kind of a mastery of it and, and really know, feel in a different way than somebody who's just starting. When you're working with someone's energy, uh, whether it's Reiki or in another other uh, fashion, can you feel if they have a negative energy? Some people have negative energy. Yeah, I can. And I, I usually kind of break it down into uh, two basic things, JV. So a lot of people have trauma. You know, everybody really does. So sometimes the negative energy that I feel on people is just the trauma, that the, the painful, difficult things that they've been through. That um, that they, they that creates incredible blocks in our energy field. It creates like emotional pain, physical pain, and um, I would say it's so common. It's and that's the most common form of negativity. I don't even think of it as negativity because I, I mean because I feel a lot of compassion. You know, for people that have have trauma, which is basically everyone as far as I can tell. Um, and so I feel that, and I'm like, well, that's my job as a healer is to step into that and, and be of service, to be helpful, to feel compassion, to show up for somebody in that state. And when we do that, no matter what modality we're using, people get better. People heal, right? And the other kind of negativity is more like spiritual negativity, and that's like when we start talking about entities or negative spirit attachments and creepy, crawly things, and not, it's also quite common. I, I see it pretty frequently, um, and I think they're connected. So if you have a person who has had a lot of trauma um, and, and, and have been, like, living kind of a hard life, you, you may be more susceptible to negative spiritual energy. And as we take care of both of them, like, we get, maybe we take some entities off of you, and then you start healing and going to therapy and seeing a Reiki practitioner and living a clean, cleaner life then your trauma gets better and over your overall energy lightens up. You know, you're like, we call it raising your frequency. You raise your frequency and then you don't have so much of that stuff anymore. Tell me about the Institute of Energy Medicine. Yeah, I work in a, um, in a energy medicine school and I have been doing that uh, for the past 15 years with my business partner, Reese Thomas. And uh, we train it's a three-year energy medicine school. People come from all over the world actually to study with us. And we train people how to do um, energy medicine at a much more in-depth level than what we can learn in Reiki. And, uh, you know, it's really fantastic transformational work. Like, we go really deep into clearing the channel, like clearing out people's um, stuff and healing their own wounds. Because as a healer, you can, really only, you can really only go with your client as deep as you've gone inside yourself. Um, and that, that's what makes, I think, healing work different from you know, like having an office job doesn't require you to do like a whole bunch of personal growth, which being a healer really does. So, um, so it's it's really great. I I um I you know I hope everybody anyone who's interested in training to be a healer, um, studying energy medicine is a great way to do it. 
How long have you been doing this with the Institute? 15 years. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And time flies when you're having fun, right? I know. I know. <laughs> we are talking tonight with Lisa Campion. And again, her website is her name, lisacampion.com. She's a psychic counselor and a Reiki master teacher. We've talked about Reiki and your teaching of it. Uh, as a psychic counselor, do you also teach people how to harness and maybe better use their psychic abilities? Yeah, I love to do that. Um, I teach psychic development, and right now all my classes are online, which is kind of fun, um, too. So I love training psychics, and I have a bunch of different levels of trainings, beginner training, intermediate training, and really actually advanced training. Um, And I I just think that's so fun to take people um, on that journey and help them understand what which of their gifts are open, like which of their channels, which of their clairs, if you want to call it that, are open, how to access it, how to, you know, um, it's, a, it's a different sort of muscle in the brain than most of us use. We, we need to learn how to think symbolically, and, um, and most of us think kind of analytically, but this, the, way, the psychic world is a lot about symbols, and um, it, it's like a whole different language, and I really love, I love training people. How to do that? I mean, I feel like the world needs all the healers it can get. So, as many psychics, healers, energy medicine practitioners, Reiki people as we can have in the world, like now more than ever, don't you think? Like the world needs all the healers it can get, and that's where I—that's what I love to do. If the body of healers increases, the number of people that actually know how to use this energy and, and employ it. Uh, does that raise the greater good of all of po- the population? I mean, is is this a, a an energy that that uh, affects everybody regardless of whether you're focusing on a healing healing an individual or not? I think so. You know, as, pe- as people wake up, their psychic have these um, you know become more intuitive, become more sensitive, or or feel a calling to become a healer and really pursue that. And that might be like. Maybe you're studying yoga and you're really, you know, going down that pathway, or you, maybe you're a meditator. I always say yoga, Reiki, and meditation are like the three gateways into a larger spiritual world. And they're all, people are, I think, really turned on to all that stuff right now. And as we do that, the, the consciousness of the planet gets more. Like, you know, as more people turn to those things, as more people take a broader view, open their minds, connect to their spiritual self in the spiritual world, um, we increase the number of people on the planet that are awake, you know, and conscious and on that spiritual journey. And that's just incredibly beneficial, I think, for everybody. Let's talk about the soul. Tell me about the soul. What is it? Where does it come from? You know, um, such an interesting question. And I can only give you, like, my current theory. Like, I, I'm not going to tell you, I, you know, for sure, like, oh, this, I don't have a dogma about it really, but a theory. And I often um, change my theory as I, as I grow and evolve in my own understanding of things. But um, I feel like the soul is like, it's like your core self, like the essence of you that doesn't change if, we, if we're going to say that we believe in past lifetimes, you know, that your core self doesn't change between your lifetimes. It's on this journey. It has um, a, a journey of evolution and evolvement and awakening that it's going on. And our cycle of incarnation, all of the lifetimes that we live um, are like a school, like Earth is like a school that we go to to learn. I think uh, compassion and empathy is one of the and strengths and love. We have this kind of a, like curriculum that we're learning down here on planet Earth. And that our um, the journey of the soul is the journey of our evolution. Eventually, 
you know, we complete school and maybe we go back to oneness with, with God, you know, um, that's enlightenment, right? Um, and, and as a psychic, my specialty is looking at the level of the soul. So interesting to me, you know, like to look at who you are, JV, as a soul, we might like look at your past lives and see themes and see like, you know, oh, you've, you've been working through this or that for a long time. And we'll look at your con- the contracts with the people in your life you know, with your, your family or your spouse or your kids, your soulmates, your soul family. We might look at your life purpose and, and, and really, because that's a soul issue, like what are you here to contribute and you are, you know, a, a fantastic contributor to the world. So how is that going? And um, we might look at like where are you blocked um, that um, you could open up or what you're, awesome, you know, really awesome at, at. And then we might look at where you're going in the future because the soul has like this, this story, this, like, narrative that I like to tune into, and I, I just think it's the most interesting thing to know about somebody, the nature of their soul. And you, I think I'm quoting off of your website now, uh, you say that the soul holds your core essence. Yes. Is it real? Is, is, is what we are, is everything that we are, despite the fact that we have a human form or a physical form as we're here on Earth, but everything else that makes us us, is that our soul? I think so, yeah. And, like, I always see, like, two aspects of people. So there's the soul aspect of you, which is this core aspect. And then there's, like, your personality, you know, and your personal self. And, you know, spiritual teachers have been talking about this for a long time. The Buddhists talk about big mind and small mind or the superconscious and the ego. Like, it has a lot of different words. And many people, especially old soul people, have a lot of congruence between their personality and their soul. So they're kind of, they match, you know. And other people... Um, have arguments going on between their soul and their personality. Like their soul has a bigger mission for them, and the personality throws a fit or kicks and screams. Our personalities are kind of, I don't know, lazy, like, or pleasure-seeking. Like they want, like, a nice, easy, cushy life. Our, person, right? our personalities I mean, do? I want that. You want that, right? Yeah, I think that's absolutely true, yeah. Yeah, and then your, but your soul doesn't really care about that. Your soul wants you to grow. Your soul wants you to evolve. And, and, and who, who wins that battle, J.D.? Like, you know, most of the time. Yeah, well, I wish my soul would make more of the decisions. <laughs> because well, you can, you can if you listen to your intuition. It seems to be a little smarter based on the way you're describing it. Yeah, your soul, you know, but it's hard because your soul will push you out of your comfort zone every single time. And, uh, you know, our personality, maybe our personality is getting sick of it now, but mostly our personality wants to sit on the couch and drink beer and eat popcorn and watch Netflix. Yeah. Uh, you, there must be a camera on me every night because you just described my life. Um, I'm kidding. Well, me too. You know, but, but that's that's what our personality wants. But your soul is much bigger plan for you. You know, is the soul is it a is it eternal and is it static? Is our soul the same soul from start to finish? I think the soul is evolving, so it's not really static. The whole point is for the soul to evolve to its like highest form. You know, like it's learning, it's growing, it's evolving. So definitely not static. It's it's always growing. And yes, as far as I can tell, eternal. I mean, when I get to the other end of eternity, JV, I'll let you know. Like, you know whether <laughs> what whether that's true or not. But um, but that's the theory that I'm that I'm going with right now. Eternal and ever changing and evolving. And I got to ask you this, just because most of us have a, a um, an understanding of soul from whatever religion we were brought up with. Is is the soul a religious thing as we understand religion? Um, I, I think many religions are have their own way of trying to understand that, trying to explain that, and I, I don't know if any of them are wrong, you know, like everybody, and I think it's 
you're spiritual and you're comfortable with your religious framework, your religious context, it's it's perfectly fine to find a you know a a, a theory or story that fits inside of a religious context. Um, if you if, or a philosophical context, so we kind of need that. Like some, the soul is ineffable; it's it's mysterious, you know. So we need things like scripture or religion or spirituality or meditation or teachers, spiritual teachers, to help us look at this part of ourselves to help us grow. Because our personality just kind of scratches its head and goes, "I don't know, I don't, I don't understand that." Like what, you know? What is that? What do we? What do you want me to do? What, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And we need we need a deeper, broader framework to understand something that's so much bigger than our personal self. Uh, another thing that I noticed on your website that I wanted to ask you about, and you work with a lot of people with a, from a lot of different perspectives, but one of the things you say is that you especially enjoy clients who are at a crossroads. Tell me about that. Yeah, I, wor- I have basically two sets of people seem to come to me, and I, I enjoy both of them. One of them are people who feel stuck in their life. You know, like they're they're not able to move forward. They know they're for they know they're they have some like incredible potential. They can't find it. They don't know what their life purpose is, or they're just sort of stuck on the hamster wheel of life. And you know, working um, doing soul work at that point can be really helpful. To, like we, if we could pull your soul down here in the in the room and talk to it for an hour, like how how would that help you move forward in your life in some way? And the other group of clients that I have are people that are in the middle of a crisis. I would say I love a good crisis because people are very motivated to change. They're very, like, cracked open. They're very, um, you know, in a crisis, the energy is moving. And with a, with a glimpse of your soul or a conversation with your soul at the point of a transition or a crisis, we can really make a choice because, you know, that's where the choice points are. That's where the crossroads are. Um, and, and both of those things are really, really good times to do work. We are going to uh, change the topic now and, and talk about energy vampires. And I think a lot of what we just talked about kind of sets this up anyway, because if, if my understanding is correct, and, and you will explain this for us, however, but um, much of what an energy, energy vampire preys on are the things we just got done talking about. So firstly, what is an en- energy vampire? Well, I think it's a category or a couple of different categories of people who haven't, don't know how to get energy of their own. You know, they don't know how to fill up their energy so they've learned sort of a you know an unfortunate habit of taking energy from other people of stealing energy from other people and um you know most people when i say energy vampires they they go oh my god i know one or i oh that's my mother-in-law oh my god yes you know i was married to one <laughs> you know like there we have this sort of intrinsic knowing of what it feels like when we're around people who just like drain you like you know if you feel sucked dry or exhausted after you hung around somebody, you're probably dealing with an energy vampire. And, you know, it's not, um, they're certainly around. And the, I think the more sensitive we are, the more we start to wake up to this whole world of soul and energy, we become, and especially if you're an empath, like a very sensitive type. Because I think empaths and energy vampires are often come into, um, you know, a, a little dance with each other. They're like two ends of a polarity that often get drawn to each other. So, Um, you know, as people are waking up to their empathic spiritual natures, we have to kind of deal with this topic. Can energy vampires affect us if we're just in the same room with them, or do they have to be focusing on us specifically? Does does there have to be a conversation, some type of interaction? I think the more interact, the more connected you are to an energy vampire, 
the more you're going to go down. You know, I, I do think that there, there are some, like, maybe casual encounters, like, you know, you sit next to somebody on the bus or something um, who's in a really bad place, and the, if you're very sensitive and psychic, you're, you're going to feel that person draining you. But I think what's more common is, like, a deeper relationship. Like, it's your partner, it's your boss, it's your parent or your kid even, you know. Um, when, and when we have, like, a, like a longer-term relationship um, with that person, that's where things really can kind of get pretty serious. Like, you can really get into trouble. So I, from what I just heard you say, it seems as though energy vampires have a, a, a multiplied effect on people if they are uh, close to you in some way or have some type of relationship with you that actually affects you in a personal way. Like you said, like yeah. a spouse or, or a child or a, or a yeah. boss who actually, you know, a coworker who actually affects your, your work life. That, that is a, a multiplier of this energy. Absolutely, and the more you hang around, and the the deeper in you are with them, um, the 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 tougher it is on you. And I think there's there's also a couple of different kinds of energy vampires. So there's the the worst kind, which is also fortunately the most the least common kind, is what I call the predatory energy vampire. And those are people that are are really like kind of psychopathic. They they are like the con men and women of the world. They they target somebody on purpose. You drain them on purpose, um, and they're—they really don't care. They see people, so there's a lot of conversation now around narcissists, you know, and um, and uh, people who are of narcissistic personality disorder, psychopathic personality disorder, and they—they they really will attach onto a, like a vulnerable person, and usually an empath, who that person is then called their narcissistic supply. Like they're, it's like a battery. That person's like a battery, and they will, with intention, drain, you know your money, your time, the food out of your fridge, the gas in your car, your attention, any resource you have, they're going to take it. And, and rather remorselessly, like they're not, they don't feel too bad about it. They feel like it's their right, and they're, they have a lot of often disdain for the people that they, um, that they drain, like, well, you know, you're, you're stupid for letting me do that. Um, and when you finally set a boundary and say no they just move on without remorse really like well that's you know drain that battery i'm on to the next one see you later you know and uh unfortunately we don't have too many of those around but they are really like they'll really take a bite out of you like i've seen people get sick have like a nervous breakdown (laughs) you know like have a life breakdown like when they've had a really close encounter with one of those types well yeah how do we know if we're encountering one of them? I mean, uh, you know, often we fe- have these feelings. We feel the things you've just described. But in many cases, we come up with excuses as to why we feel this way. You know, we didn't eat re- well yesterday or we didn't sleep well or we didn't, you know, whatever. Um, but it could be one of these encounters. And how can we identify it? Well, you know, with the with this predatory kind, they're really slippery because they're incredibly good actors. Like, you know, a con men, a con men or a con person is they're shapeshifters. They'll, they are actors. They'll um, morph into, and they're, they tend to be incredibly charming, charismatic, attractive. You know, they really are like, and like that's how vampires are, right? Yeah. Vampires are attractive, and they're predatory, and they're parasitic. And they kind of set the hook and then drain you. So in the beginning, there's usually this honeymoon period where you're like, oh, my God, it's the best relationship I've ever had. And, I'm, you know, this person is fantastic, and I'm so lucky to have them until you 
you know, somewhere along the line, after they sort of set the hook, they just start draining you. And there are physical um, sensations too, JV, that people have. So, like, a lot of times when you're around somebody who's going to drain you, you'll feel, like, uh, um, uncomfortable in your, in your solar plexus and you'll cross your arms over your, your belly, you know, when that, when that person's around. Some people tell me they get, like, an occipital headache, like the, the, the back of their head will hurt. Hmm. You might have, like, nightmares about that person, actually, or kind of a feeling of dread when you have to see them. Um, some people will feel so tired, like like exhausted when that person leaves, like you've got to lie down and take a nap. Hmm. So those are kind of like, those are the symptoms you might feel. And then eventually, you know, it's going to go badly for you. Like eventually, it, you know, those things rack up, like you have no money, you have no, they've taken your credit cards, they've, you know, they've kind of like wiped you out of all of the resources in your life, and it's to the point where that it's impossible to miss that that's going on, you know. And these are predatory. Predatory, yeah, mm. they purposeful. Mm. Um, and I'm assuming a crucifix doesn't scare them away. No, yeah, you can't <laughs> throw garlic at them or, you know shoot them with a silver bullet or throw holy water on them. They're not, they're not unholy. (laughs) They're not like that. You know, um, they're just like, um, they're, they just don't know another way to access energy for themselves. That's their way. Just like a vampire. That's what vampires do. They literally feed off blood, which is the life force of other people. But you know, that's the rarest kind. There's much, a much more common kind that I call the needy energy vampire. And they're, they're not predatory. They're just people who are, Often they often have like, you know, very had very legitimate difficult things that have happened to them, um, and they kind of have unconscious. They're more usually unconscious about the fact that they're taking energy from you, and they they just have learned how to use whatever bad thing has happened to them, like their their victim story, their their problem, as a way to get attention. Like, you know, um, you know, if you've ever met somebody who's really 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 needy in some way or helpless or. You know, often they have a real thing, but they're kind of milking it for the attention they get or the care that they get or the, you know, um, the help that they get from other people. And that's more common. It's, it's a little easier to deal with. We have to learn how to set a boundary. If you run into a predatory vampire, you really, there's no reforming them. There's no changing them. You really just have to get away from them. You just have to, like, get, cut your losses and run away. With a needy vampire, we can often, like, we have to negotiate or we set boundaries. You know, you decide maybe how much time you're going to put into that person or what your boundary is going to be um, so that you, you don't always have to cut them out of your life, but you do have to, because um, they'll just, it's just like they'll take and take and take and take until you don't have anything left. I mean, it's difficult to cut and run if that if that energy, or that vampire, the predatory one particularly, is... Your child. I mean, how do you do that? Oh, yeah. You can't, I don't right? know. You, I mean, sometimes it's really, really, really difficult and people like that, especially with a child, you know. Um, you know, it's it's even easier to cut. I mean, sometimes when we have, like, like if you were in a, an extremely abusive relationship, because that's basically what it boils down to eventually, um, you know, you have to decide when you're, when you're ready to, when, you know, when you're ready and under what circumstances you're going to cut that relationship out. And it's, Sometimes it's so hard or even impossible to do it. And then we can practice some, like, psychic self-defense techniques, you know, of really working on holding, like, a boundary, holding an energetic, like, working on your actually your energy field and, and having a stronger bubble. Um, there, there are other things you can do when you're around people you can't get away from. 
that are taking your energy. We talked about predatory. We talked about, I can't remember the second one. You, you Needy. Needy, needy. Are there any other types? Yeah, there's one that I call the situational um, energy vampire. We might have a lot of those around right now, actually. And the situational is like, you know, kind of like when, when bad things happen to good people, like anyone can fall into an energy vampire pattern. Like if you had, if you really got down on your luck, like maybe you've had some points in your life you know, where you really didn't, you were just at, at your wit's end. Maybe you have a physical, like a health diagnosis. You lost your job. You're, you know, stuck in lockdown during COVID and you lost your job. You know, like we, we have like hard moments in life where we don't have any resources and we become very empty. We become very needy. Um, and that's called situational um, energy vampire. And I've been there, you've been there, probably everyone who's listening has had a time when they're like, wow, they're, they just don't have anything and they, they need, um, and, that, and we have to be careful around how we manage our energy if you're in, a, in the, that situation where you're like calling your friends all the time or you're, you need to borrow money or you're, you're you know, can I bum a ride somewhere, <laughs> you know, or um, you're just like at your wit's end so you're calling your friends at all hours of the night and freaking out, you know. Uh, and, of course, we all go through that. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. Those things pass. And when they pass, we, we, we really want to aim for sort of a 50-50 relationship with the people in our lives. And if you've been on, on a down, downward spiral and you're coming out of it, we, we want to put energy back. It's like a, it's like a bank account, you know, um, with, with, your, with our relationships. And if you've made a lot of deposits, you're going to, you know, if you've made a lot of withdrawals, you're going to make some deposits to kind of even it out. And over time, if our, um, our, energetic bank balance with somebody is more or less even over time, we, that's a really, really comfortable relationship with somebody. But if you have somebody that's always taking and never giving, that's really the definition of an energy vampire. So going back to the predatory type, uh, is this something they need to survive? If they don't get this energy, would they literally, I mean, may not physically die, but emotionally die maybe? Mm, yeah, I think they, you know, I think it's, it's they just don't have any way to um, to make it on their own in a way, so they have to just have the, somebody else's attention. And you can you know if you study narcissists and narcissistic behavior, psychopathic behavior, they they see people as there's sort of like a, a lack of self, like they don't have like a great sense of their own self. So they have people around them who um, who are feeding them the right image of themselves or who are giving them, who are like literally giving them their life force energy. That's the scary thing for me about it. Um, and I, I had a um, client like many years ago, like maybe 10 years ago, it's a really sweet lady, and, and she was really sick, you know, and the doctors couldn't find anything that was wrong with her. They couldn't figure out what was going on. Sick, depressed, she had like chronic fatigue symptoms. She was like anemic. And, and I would do a Reiki session with her and she would feel better, kind of pump her up. You know, she's working hard on healing herself. And then I would see her again in a few weeks, and it, she would look terrible again. I was like, what? what's going on, you know? And then one day, um, her, her spouse, her husband, came to pick her up at the office, and he was like, he looked like 10 years younger. I knew they, they were the same age, and he had this, like, glow about him. He was, like, you know, like, as, as tired and old as she looked, he looked, like, 
in the bloom of health, you know. Mm-hmm. And when I was looking at them, I could see this, like, energy cord that connected them that looked like a straw, like literally like a straw that you suck through. And I was like, wow, he is totally sucking her energy, and that's why he looks like he's in the pink of health and she looks terrible. And, um, and eventually she, you know, and it was not a very healthy relationship. It was a pretty dysfunctional relationship in every way, and eventually she was able to split with him and is after... Um, they divorced, she perked right up, you know, her health came back, her, she looked 10 years younger, she, you know, she had sort of this new lease on life after she got rid of that, uh, that person who, and he was um, remarried within like months, you know, reconnected with somebody within months, and he kind of had this like, oh, well, like, whatever, kind of, (laughs) you know, I guess Mm. you're, we're done, you know, we're done here, I got somebody new. And then that that new person went into that same kind of decline. Really? You know, yeah. And that's when I was like, what is going on here? Like, what is that? You know, and um, that was that was before anyone was talking about energy vampires or really even narcissists. And I, it was the first time I really was like, that is, that's what that is. That person's a vampire. You know, when we use the word vampire, we often think of something evil. Is there anything evil about this? Other you know, than maybe the effects I mean, of it, you know. I don't know, JV. That's sort of an interesting question. Like, can we say somebody who's psychopathic and has, or somebody who has narcissistic tendencies, are they evil? Right. I guess it depends on your definition of evil. And is it is a shark evil because it eats you, or right. is a shark just being a shark? Right. I don't know. I'm not sure. Like, you know, that's sort of a deeper philosophical question. You know, we could... You know, we could ask some theologians and some philosophers and some psychologists about that. Like, you know, is it evil if you can't help it? You know, is it evil? Or is it actually many people who have been connected with those people will say they feel like it's evil, like those people have a darkness about them. And that darkness would be lack of empathy. You know, so the very definition of a narcissist or a psychopath is they they don't have empathy for, for other people. So does that do, do empaths um, or people that are very sensitive like yourself? Do you do you act like a magnet for these people for, for vampires? One hundred percent. Really? Yeah, because we have like two soft boundaries. We don't really, you know, we're not really great at boundaries. We're these big spongy, porous energy fields. You know, we're born healers. We have big, generous hearts. We really care. And a lot of times, there's like empaths have like a little bit of na- naive. Like, we never see it coming. We don't see, we can't believe anybody would, would be that, would be that way because it, it, we just don't have a, we just don't have a bone in our body like that. You know what I mean? And, and I think I've seen a lot of times empaths who are like try, who will try to reform their energy vampire partner. Well, you know, they don't really mean it. Or if I really just love them enough, they'll, they'll, fi- they'll finally be healed and then they'll be okay. You know, and I, I just, very rarely do I actually see that. With the predatory vampires, really never. Um, uh, some of the other types of vampires can be reformed if they really want to. Um, but those predatory ones, it's just like it's just like the way they are. And is it deliberate? I mean, we kind of ask this, but maybe not as directly. Is it deliberate? Are they aware of what they're doing? And do they have any guilt from it? I think it is deliberate. Um, with a predatory kind, and I, I don't think they have any guilt because they basically don't have any empathy. In fact, I feel like in, not only do they not feel guilt, but they'll, they'll actually feel even disdain. Hmm. Like, well, if you're stupid enough to fall for that, well, pfft, you deserve all you get. You know, like that. 
it's that it's that's hard. it's hard it's pretty harsh you know and then the needy ones the needy um vampires are usually much more unconscious that they're they don't sometimes they're horrified if when they find out that that's what they're doing you know they're like oh my god i'm an energy vampire and they're like truly like horrified and shocked they may be more willing to you know find another way to be um, and then sometimes, this is a really tricky part, JV, is that sometimes empaths and sensitive like myself, if we let ourselves get too drained, we can become an energy vampire too. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So think about how vampires are made. Like, uh, you know, a, a Hollywood vampire, you know, finds like a sensitive, willing victim. They suck all the life out of them until that, that person now becomes a vampire. And and that happens a lot in the empaths work that I do, and I, I do a lot of workshops, and uh, my new book is coming out later this year called Energy Healing for Empaths, and in that book, um, and in the work that I do with empaths, I've run across many of them who have gotten so drained by other people that they're now pretty vampy. <laughs> they're, they're like, they're, they're the biggest vampire in the room, and they don't know, they're horrified, they're kind of pointing the finger at the other energy vampires and saying, oh, my God, this vampire drained the life out of me, but they don't know that they've become now a problem. Is there a way, since we can't necessarily identify these people in advance, uh, maybe we can figure out what what and who they are uh, after they've already started their process, but is there a way to protect yourself from these vampires? I think it's really about um, watching how you feel around somebody, so, for example, if you feel that feeling of dread, if you feel that tugging in your solar plexus or you feel like you want to cover your solar plexus, if you have that occipital headache, and then, and then if you start feeling resentful, um, that resentment is a big flag that there's an, ener- there's an imbalance in the energy between people. So um, that's a sign that you're giving or get more than you're getting in that relationship consistently. So you could almost like, do like a little inventory in your life and like write down all of the things or all the people in your life that make you feel that feeling of resentment. And if you're like, wow, I, that person constantly makes me feel resentment. I wish I could avoid them. I don't feel like picking up the phone when they call. I'm like, oh my God, what do they want now? You know, that's a dead giveaway that you need to manage the energy in that relationship better. And this is a hard thing for sensitives to hear and maybe for anyone to hear, but it's on us to manage our, our, our own energy. It's on us to set our boundaries. Nobody can do it for you. Nobody will do it for you. In fact, the entire world has us happy if you have terrible boundaries and overgive all the time. No one's going to stop you from doing it. So we have to empower ourselves, especially as sensitives. We have to take control of our yeses and nos and decide what we're going to say yes and no to. And anything in your life that's making you consistently feel resentful, you got to start saying no. We're talking tonight with Lisa Campion. Her website is her name, lisacampion.com. Lisa's a psychic counselor and a Reiki master teacher. Uh, the Art of Psychic Reiki is a book that you've got. You've had out that out for a little while. I think when you came on the program the first time, Lisa, we talked about that book. And then you've got a new one coming out, right? Yeah. 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 The, uh, the, the other one, uh, The Art of Psychic Reiki, has been out for like a year and a half. Um, it's doing doing quite well. It's still on the bestseller list. Just got um, translated into Spanish, which is kind of exciting. Well, that's cool. Um, yeah, that's cool. And then the new one is called Energy Healing for Empaths, and that won't be out until February. Um, but it it's really about it's really actually the topic that we're talking about now. So how what are energy? There's a whole lot in there about energy vampires. How do we deal with them? How do we manage our energy if we're sensitive and empathic? 
types and how do we like live in our gift in a way like how do we step into the good part of it so that we can like the fact that we're an empath instead of like wishing we wishing we weren't Lisa are we always uh, equally vulnerable or are there times when we are more vulnerable to energy vampires than other times are there certain like are, are we vulnerable when we sleep where where are we most vulnerable and where are we least vulnerable um, you know, we're really vulnerable when we sleep. It's so interesting that you said that, JV. That's a big part, especially for psychic vampires, which is, would be a good thing. We haven't talked about that yet. It would be fun to talk about that um, when, when somebody's, like, psychically connecting with you in and in sucking your energy. Um, we're vulnerable when we're really tired and we're not in a good place ourselves, and we're actually the most vulnerable in our physical and intimate relationships with people. So the whole um, the whole. Um, way that what our sexual lives and our sexual relationships work um, open us in an incredibly powerful way to having our energy drained. So you have to be very careful about who you engage with that way if you're sensitive because it's the easiest way for somebody to drain you. Really? Yeah. And is it, is it the same effect? Do you, you have the same effects from like that? Worse. Really, it's like it's worse. really like faster, harder, stronger, like you can really, you really like are you're such you're deeply exchanging energy. You know, we we deeply exchange energy with our lovers, and if you have a lover that loves you and honors you and reveres you and has your best interest at heart, it's really obviously beautiful and nurturing and can put give you energy. And if you have somebody who doesn't have a good intention towards you or a good feeling towards you or who is actually has the intention of taking your energy, it is like. It is the. It's so dangerous. It can be so dangerous. It can be so bad. Um, so we. And I think it's, you know, especially young people these days. These days have a very kind of cavalier attitude, casual attitude about about their lovers, and don't always, I think, think about that. You know, and especially if you're sensitive, you got to be thinking about that. Let's say you you have a uh, a relationship like that that has that effect, and you end the relationship. Uh, in most cases, there's still an emotional connection with a relationship that's over or that has ended in some fashion. Does that emotional connection mean that that vampiric connection will continue to exist? Yes. And that connection, so especially with our sexual partners, um, we form energy cords. We form energy cords with all, in all of our relationships, but they're particularly strong in, that, in our romantic relationships. And those, those energy cords, like that, an energy cord isn't something that, you're going to take to your doctor and your doctor's going to see it. It's like a part of our energy field. And like as a psychic, I can see it. Um, but we often feel them or experience them, even though we can't see them always ourselves. And that, um, that um, romantic connection with somebody can form a very thick energy cord between people. And even when the relationship is over, that if you have an energy vampire on the other end of it, they can continue to drain you, even though you're, they're not with you anymore, even though you broke up. And also, if you have, like, an, um, especially the predatory ones tend to be pretty psychic themselves. They're pretty, they have this, like, really, like, um, uncanny ability to figure out what you need and, and, how, and like, they kind of get in your head in a way. And I'll see an energy cord between, um, you know, somebody's third eyes, their, your brow chakra to an energy vampire's brow chakra. And that's a psychic vampire. And... They will, like, um, drain you while you're sleeping. They'll come in your dreams and attack you or stalk you or 
Um, it's kind of rare, but it's bad when it happens. Um, so if you have one that you're dreaming about um, or that you feel like is sort of psychically stalking you, that's got, that should be something that you take care of right away. So, yeah, how do you, how do you clean those relationships up? Well, you know, there's a lot of ways to do it. You can come, you know, to a Reiki practitioner, an energy healer, a shaman, psychic, who is going to help you, you know, clear the cords. You can do cord clearing meditations on your own, and um, there's all kinds of information. You can look it up um, and see how to do that. But in one of these really entrenched relationships, we often need help. You know, um, maybe a therapist or some kind of, you know, counselor would also help you. So a lot of times we have to clean up the unresolved aspects of the relationship. So you might have to, like, feel, you know, grieve or cry or you have to maybe forgive, you know, or work through anger and hurt, you know. Um, so a lot of times the, these courts happen because when re, they happen a lot in relationships where we don't get to finish things. We don't get closure in the relationship. Um, like, the, you know, when we storm off and we don't have that conversations that we need to close the relationship, that's where the cords are the strongest. You know, that makes sense, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. So, and then anything you can do to put closure on the relationship, I always have this, I do this, um, what I call the seven-day letter writing cure, where you, you take a, you write a letter, you're not going to send the letter, but every night you write a letter. And, because I think we can get closure by getting things off our chest. We didn't say everything we needed to say. And even if we did say it, maybe the person couldn't hear us, because that often happens. So you write a letter, you never show anyone the letters, and maybe there's a few days of really angry letters, and there's a few days of really hurt letters. And then when we get through that, we get to the soul-to-soul. We were talking about the soul earlier, you know. We get to the soul-to-soul level between us and our, and our former partner. And we can say things like, okay, well, that sucks, but I grew a lot, and I'm grateful for the experience, you know, and I wish you well, and, you know, whatever we have to say. And that, that uh, process right there can, clo- can close a cord, can cut the cord with somebody um and sometimes you know there's sort of like an energetic piece where we have to do it we really have to take the cord out but we also have to do the emotional piece too let's reverse this a little bit what about uh if we may suspect that we ourselves are an energy vampire what do we do then wow such a great question um uh, i think it's and I've had that um, in the courses, in the workshops that I teach. I've had people come up to me and say, oh, my God, I think I'm an energy vampire. What do I do? And I, I say, well, you know, good for you for knowing that, good for you for recognizing it. And the first thing that you've got to do is figure out how to fill yourself, you know, figure out how to fill your own energy tanks. And that's not something that we, all, we really know how to do. You know, sometimes energy vampires really need to learn empathy. So they need to learn how to put themselves in other people's shoes and learn compassion and empathy. But oftentimes it's a matter of learning, like, literally how to fill your battery from something besides another person, mm-hmm. you know. And that I think it's different for everybody, like, um, what fills you. And you can think about what drains you and what fills you. What do you feel good after you do it? For some people it's creative pursuits, you know. You're a musician. I bet... Music fills you. Making music, listening to music, yeah. fills your energy tank, right? Right, that's right. Um, so, yeah, so artists often have that. Creative people have that. For some people, it's about being in nature. Other people, it's um, a play. So playing, you know, whatever you play. Um, I, I, like, I like ballroom dancing. 
you know. <laughs> so if I, I do bottom dancing and it fills me. Like, I feel great at the end of it. Huh. Um, and those kinds of things, like our relationships, our healthy relationship, playing with your kids, walking your dog, you know, having a nap, <laughs> eating good, healthy food, you know what I mean, being out in the sunshine. Sunshine is actually incredibly powerful at filling us. I think that's why we crave sunshine, um, in, uh, especially, you know, in, in the darker climates where some of us live. So, so once you have a good, once you understand, like, you wouldn't, you don't expect your car to drive with no gas in the tank, right? Right, it wouldn't work. No, you put, you drive, you put gas in the tank, and it's not a mystery. But we do, we often push ourselves as if we don't have to do that, Right. We well, <laughs> driving on fumes. You mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we all do it. <laughs> we you all know? do it. Yes. We all do it. We all we have families. We have jobs. We have responsibilities. We don't have time to put gas in our own. It's tank. a pain in the neck. <laughs> right. Who has time for that? Yeah. We got we we have we've got stuff to do. Right. But if we don't do it, we run a risk of becoming an energy vampire. So it, I feel like it's so it's critical. And if you know we get sick, we get depressed, we get anxious. You know, we have we have health problems too. So it's. It's, I'm, I'm sort of hoping to reform, and it's, that's been one of the interesting things about this whole pandemic time is that as scary and weird and, and strange as it's been, there's also been this kind of opportunity to put some gas in the tank, you know, like right. take a nap and walk the dog and yeah, that's watch true. the grass grow. I think that's <laughs> you know what, what I mean? A lot watch of your pe- hair grow. Yeah, a lot of, um, <laughs> a lot of people are, are uh, trying to suggest that, and, and not in the terms that we're suggesting it, but they're using different words to suggest the same thing, which is take this time to rediscover some of these, the value of some of these things. Right. Exactly. You know, and you mentioned music. I just have to, I just have to say this just because I'm getting such a kick out of it. Uh, I do go to music, whether I'm playing or listening, uh, to recharge personally. And I've actually just rediscovered the magic of vinyl. And I have a turntable set up and I've been playing records and I'm getting such a great uh, enjoyment out of doing it this way, as opposed to clicking on a, you know, whatever and listening to music. I'm actually putting huh? needles on records and uh, I'm really, really enjoying it. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. They say vinyl has a warmer sound, you know? And it, I mean, yeah, that's it does. all I had when I, we didn't have the other stuff when I grew up. So it sounds normal. It sounds good to me too. And I, I get it, but I love that you found something that, that is so exciting for you or so enlivening, like, you know, so fun. And that, and that we really, in our culture, especially as Americans, really don't see any value in having fun. And it's so sad because I feel like, like your soul wants to have fun. Your soul wants to play. Your soul wants to have, like, kind of roll around in the pleasure, the healthy pleasure of being alive. You know, and anything, any healthy pleasure is very filling to our souls. And we're, we're all sort of, as Americans, over, over, uptight and overworked and repressed and yeah. you know tangled up and and that's not good for our i think that's a big part of why we run into this problem of the energy vampire tell me about uh, your website for people if they go to uh, lisacampion.com what are they going to find um I, they've got i've got a lot of um, free resources in fact if you go right now i have this fantastic if you sign up for my newsletter it's a fantastic free gift which will give you a four-hour free video training on how to manage your energy if you're an empath. It's called Energy Management for Empaths. So come on over if you um, want to get the skinny on how to do that. I have a lot of free resources available. I have a page, a page on my 
website called Free Resources, and it's just full of articles and interviews and, you know, all the stuff that I give away because I really love to um, to help people. You can book a session with me if you want to work with me. Do phone and Zoom and Skype now. And uh, and I have classes all the time, you know, all different levels of of psychic development classes available. And um, is there any difference in doing a, a session with somebody if you're using Zoom or Skype or something versus... I don't know. I mean, I, I imagine you were doing tele uh, uh, readings or tele consultations in in uh, many different forms even before this COVID thing. Uh, yeah. So that's not uncommon anymore. But is there any difference with that between being uh, with you in person? Um, you know, I'm, I'll always have a soft, just like you have a soft spot for vinyl. <laughs> I have a soft spot for working with people in person. Um, and my office is in is in Central Mass in Hopkinton, Massachusetts. But um, hopefully, I'll be opening it up soon. Um, and because I do like to work, you know, get my hands on people and do imp- like hands-on energy work, um, I just, it's like vinyl for me. I don't know what to say. But Zoom is so good. And I, I find that um, even more than a phone um, session, I can do pretty much the same thing. I, I'll still do energy work. I'll still do the whole thing um, on Zoom, which has really been kind of a miracle. Yeah, it, so I haven't minded it at all, really. That, that's great, and the technology is very, very helpful. Yeah. Uh, Lisa, we're out of time. It's it's been a real pleasure having you back on the show, and I love talking about this stuff. I think I find it fascinating and very, very informative. Um, when did you say the new book was going to be out next year? February. And that basically covers much of what we talked about here tonight. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a lot of what we talked about. Um, it's coming out. Uh, my publisher's New Harbinger. And uh, it'll be February 2021 that, that that hits. And that's called Energy Healing for Empaths? Is that right? Yep. Okay, terrific. Yep. Well, great. Again, uh, thanks for being here. I cannot wait to have you back when that book comes out or when it gets close to We'll definitely have to have you back on the oh, show. Thank you, JV. I would love to. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.